Welcome everyone, I'm Sandy Mackey. And I am Al Curtis. We are Ask the Pool Guy. Not and sure. Ask the Pool Girl. And Ask the Pool Girl. We don't know what we're going to call this podcast. We've been talking about doing it and the importance of doing it to share the stories of what we learn. Let's call it Pool Talk. Hey, let's talk. There we go. It's Pool Talk. Pool talk. So here we are at Pool Talk. No, not Pool Talk. Well, we can Let's use that for now. We'll eventually figure that out. Something. Why don't we instead talk about pools, and then we can determine what the name would be, because that's probably fairly insignificant. But this is the place where we hope to share, at least I know I do, this this rich history of 30 years of being in an, in an industry and trying to be a leader and trying to be on the front and being the innovator. I'm not an inventor. So I'm not inventing product, but I've been an innovator using the products that have been placed in front of me to try to do cool stuff with. And that's what I would hope to share through the blogging, through the, the podcasting, is sharing kind of how we've arrived and how we've thought and how marketing has changed things and maybe marketing tips and ideas of what we are. Perfect. So join us for the adventure. It's, it's going to be fun. We've been talking about doing a podcast for a while around the pool industry. We've done the, all kinds of different stuff, and we have tons of video up about the culture of who we are and why we do what we do. But I think this is an opportunity for you and I both to get more into the philosophy of the way we are and why we are the way we are and how our business has changed as a direct result of paying attention to that. So why don't we get started by talking, maybe each sharing our story, what led us up to this point. That might be a good place to be. Podcast number one is the backstory to Sandy Mackey, the backstory to Al Curtis, and kind of how we've arrived at this place. And then moving forward, we can talk about our philosophies and the way that we do business. That sounds like a plan. I am Sandy Mackey. This is Alan Curtis, a.k.a. Ask the Pool Guy, who you've probably seen online and around the web. So Ask the Pool Guy is something that has developed over quite a number of years for you and your history in the pool industry. So why don't you give us a synopsis of how you got started in the industry, what's your previous history prior to that, and then kind of take us through the, the major uh, bookmarks of what happened until where we are today. Okay. I think probably what I would like to do is do my pre-Sandy Mackey story and then let you step in with some of those years in between as we started establishing who what we were as the team, and then we'll kind of wrap up with that. Okay, and hopefully this will set up a good backstory for those of us who are going to start tuning in or maybe even watching the video version of this audio video podcast that we're doing. So it'll always be there for reference, and we won't have to go through it every time. Okay. Well, I was a college kid when I got started. And it was, uh, I think it was my, just before the beginning of my uh, finishing my freshman year of college, my brother Rick called me. I was away at school, and he said, hey, I got you a summer job. Great, what am I doing? And he said, uh, well, you, you're going to be working pools, because that's what it was. You were working pools. And by the way, you start Monday, get home. So I, it was the end of the week. I was leaving. I got home. I showed up Monday morning, had no idea what it was or who it was that I was working with or anything about it. And I started, 
and I was on the pool service crew doing pool openings. It was it would have been early May, just finished college for the year. It would have been early May, and uh, worked that. Learned, knew nothing. I was raw, knew nothing about it. A week later, he came in on Saturdays. He was he, my brother Rick was going to then work the weekend, so it was, he got me the job. But then he also sort of got a job in the process, and he worked a couple Saturdays and Sundays because he had a whole nother career. And really early on, I fell in love with what it was. I was a college kid, and, and for those that have been, they can remember that age of being 18, 19, 20 years old when you, you think you know everything about the world, but you know that you know nothing about it. And then in retrospect, looking back, you realize you knew absolutely nothing about it. But I thought I kind of knew what my world was supposed to be. I was supposed to go to college, get this education, to get a degree, get some job, work for all eternity, doing something for someone else. And when I started in pools, what changed for me was it opened my eyes to what business was and, and what that really meant. Because up to that point, I didn't understand what business meant. I didn't really understand what it meant to like get business and then do business and then get paid for it. I, I didn't understand that at all. And this was my first chance. And prior to that, I had done some work. I'd done all kinds of work. I was always the guy that was hustling to do uh, mowing lawns and babysitting and making money. Up to that point, I had made probably a small fortune that I'd blown on dumb stuff. But I finally got to see what commerce was all about. And I've never really told the story to anyone, or told this part of the story to anyone. But I distinctly remember those first few days being raw, knowing nothing about the industry. And I was the third guy on a pool opening crew. So you got your primary guy who takes care of pumps, you know, the pump and the filter and, and all the important stuff. You got the secondary guy who, who does the general cleanup, and then you got the grunt. We don't even run three-man crews anymore. Back in the day, there were three-man crews because every tarp was super heavy. And, you know, it was made out of vinyl, which required, like, three guys just to lift it out of the pool. And I was that. I was that grunt guy that just had to do the heavy work. But the interesting thing was nobody wanted to collect the bill. No one wanted to go to the door and collect the money. This was a mentality, and, and if, that's a, it's, if it's that way all the time, I don't know. But in my, my particular case, when I was on that crew, and we spent all of our time together, and I was a guy that worked little hours here, little hours there, didn't know much of anything. All of a sudden, I was working 70, 75 hours a week. No idea. Just I just knew I needed to make money because I was in college, and, and I went, went, go, 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 and I knew that I had been told that if you just, did enough hours, you can make a lot of money to have save money for the next year. And guess who, third man on the crew, guess what he got designated to do was go to the door, knock on the door and say, oh, Mr. Jones, here's your bill for $265 or whatever the closing opening price was, and had to wait there until they wrote the check and handed it to you and you signed the bill. That's the first time that I really recognized what commerce meant. We got a call, we showed up, we performed the service, and then we got paid. And for me, I recognized, I was smart enough to recognize, I was making six bucks an hour, 
that guy was making six fifty an hour, and that guy was making seven bucks an hour, and we were here for an hour and a half, and we charged two hundred and sixty-five dollars or two hundred forty-five dollars an hour for it. So I like this. This means something, you know. So it was it was that kind of an aha moment for me that that first week, and I, this happened in the first week of my pool career, that I recognized. Well, wait a minute. There's there's something to this that a service was performed. We all worked. And we, we did jobs, did four jobs all day, and the one job paid for all of our wages. What was that? And so I always played with numbers because that was just who I was. I was always thinking about, well, how much do things cost and how much do whatever, because I was in college trying to figure out what my career was going to be. And jump in at any point if there's, if there's any additional points. I don't want to just keep talking, but my story takes a while. So keep on the. That, but those first moments, those first moments though, those first weeks were their moments in time now. They were weeks long then and took all forever because we were working a lot of hours. But now I recognize those at pivotal moments. I recognize that, aha, now I understand what doing business is. Because I, at 18, 19, whatever it was, I had no point of reference. Think about when you were 18 or 19, when you, you think about money and you think about, you know, what does it really mean? And, and it, because today, as, as matured as we are, we recognize it as simply energy, and it's, it's an exchange of energy. But put yourself at 17, 18, 19 years old, and we're, we're kind of working for wages. We're, we're giving up this much time and getting this much money, and we're... You know, can, can you kind of remember those times for you? Maybe share a little bit of that before we go. That maybe we'll talk about that kind you of re. As an early member of the workforce, I don't think I thought about it, and I was just comparing that scenario to what our children see. And I think our children, your children, and my children, respectively, have each been exposed to the entrepreneurial mindset. So I think that they've had a reason to pay attention to that a little bit more than either of us did. I know both of my parents had traditional jobs and traditional roles, and talking about money and talking about business wasn't something that happened in my house. So I wouldn't have had a point of reference, and until much later in my business experience, you know, after having held several jobs and done different things, that's when I really began to think about it. So I didn't have a story quite like yours where all of a sudden, aha, I'm paying attention to this. But I can really see how in your case, you got that awareness early because it wasn't something that you had been exposed to. And now they even have entrepreneurial classes and business classes in school. When I was going through school, I know that nothing like that was offered. Yeah, I, I, we, I had no exposure to it as well. Other than I worked for the guy that lived on the corner that had a horse farm and he was a well-to-do guy that made a lot of money and he was out of town and we mowed his lawn and we did these things and we did all this stuff and then when we came back we added up the hours and he paid me and we made really good money at that time I think I think my job with him was I was making five dollars an hour but it was five dollars an hour cash because it was just like mowing his lawn and weeding the beds and take care of the horse pasture and you know doing these little things but I never really understood that wasn't doing business, that was a job. But I think when I got in and I was part of a service crew, I started recognizing, wait a minute, I worked 25% of the day of all of our labor paid for our wages. 
the rest of the day went to the to the business owner. Now, what I probably and I'm sure didn't understand then was the other overhead costs involved. Sure, there was gas. Sure, there was a vehicle. Sure, there was insurance, and and I could see those, but I probably didn't recognize the scope of what overhead costs were. But I was smart enough to go, hmm, hmm. There's money here. That's why people would do it. That's why Ernie, my predecessor, the guy that I learned from that I bought my company from, that's why he would do it. Because he could create this, this work, have guys and gals work for him to do the work, and there's money left over, and he didn't have to do that work. So that was really interesting for me. That was a starting point. I worked several years with him uh, through college and all of that. I graduated with, from college started my master's. I was working with him at the time and we had some trouble at home. And I was the last of seven kids. A couple of the older siblings were have, have physical and mental issues. My parents were age or old. I, my mother was 47 when I was born. My mother, my father was 46. So my parents were my age when I was born. So they are were already well on in life and by the time I'm a teenager, or soon to be 20, they're now 20 years older than I am now. So they were well along the way there, and Dad was retired, and I when I graduated from college, and then you know I stayed with the pool company, I got this opportunity to, and wanted to be a part of more of it than just being a service guy, because that's what I did for many years, was simply pool service work. Not even opening crew or closing crew. I was simply a service guy that did out, went out and fixed stuff. And I remember my very first service call. I had worked beginning of that summer doing pool openings, and obviously the homeowner or the the pool company owner Ernie had recognized that I wasn't like everybody else. That I was really good and proficient at stuff. I wasn't there just to be a laborer. I never wanted to ever be just a laborer. I wanted to like be significant somehow or mean something. Where that comes from, I don't really know, because my dad was certainly an employee. He was an engineer, did well with his life, but he, his father and his father's father and everyone past had been business owners. But that generation that my dad came from, because they came through the Depression, it was all about security and finding security for your family. So he was very much about finding a traditional job and working for a company for 35 years and getting a retirement. And he was part of that anomaly that that was real for. It doesn't happen very often anymore. But he was not interested in anything but that security of it. And so I didn't know anything but seeing him until I got involved here. And, and at that point, I started seeing what business was all about. And so I was always interested in learning. So I got the opportunity that summer of my first year here at the pool company of doing a service call. And it was, at that time, it was replacing a seal on a motor. Didn't even know what that meant. I knew where the pumps and stuff were, but I didn't know what anything was. And I was given this little part, and the homeowner, or the, the company owner said, I need you to go out to Miss So-and-So's house. She's way out. It was like way away from where we were at. We had two stores at that location. It was close to the second store. And he said, I need you to replace the seal in the pool suite motor. And I'm like, okay. He sent me on a van. I'm on the way with a box full of tools and a part. 
and I looked, I got there, having to be, pretend like I knew what I was doing, you don't want to look too stupid, and again, ego, egoically, you don't want to look too stupid, so I, I'll miss, ma'am, I'm here to replace your seal pump and blah, 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 and I knew the lingo, but I didn't know what it was, and I remember walking back to her equipment pad, and looking at all the stuff, and playing with the switches to see which things went on and which things went off, because I didn't know, I didn't know the difference between it heater and a filter and a pump and a pull sweep and I didn't know which ones turned on or which ones didn't. I really didn't have any idea. At the time, you know, filters, I mean, pump, uh, heaters were millivolts so they didn't have electrical to them. I didn't know that. The filters is big god awful looking thing and I had no idea if it turned on or off. And it, it sounds silly but my first service call was turning the switches on and off to see what made noise and what didn't. Well, one of the switches went on and it was the pump. The other switch went on, and the other funny motor went on, and then if I turned the first switch off, they both went off. So deduction said that, well, that must be the pool sweep, because what I do know is the pool sweep will only run when the main pump is on. So I deduced what it was, and then I had to part my hand. And he said, I remember the words, change the pool sweep pump seal, the seal on the pump. And it was this little white ceramic donut with a rubber casting around it. And then there was this weird squirrely um, kind of a spring thing that was all made out of stainless steel and they just sort of were in this little box. And I pulled them out, I looked at them and I'm like, okay, that I deduced that that must be what the pool sweep is. And I turned the power off and I just started taking it apart. And inside there, I found a part that kind of looked like the part that I had in my hand, but it wasn't the same. Well, little did I know, the previous pool company owner, Ernie, had sent me up with the wrong part inadvertently. It didn't fit that part. It was a pump. It was a seal for a pump or some other type of pool pump. But I got this pool sweep apart. I got that piece. Somehow I figured out how to get the impeller off because you have to hold the shaft to get the impeller off because if you try to twist the impeller off, the shaft spins. So I figured out how to take the back of the pool sweep motor off and hold on to the shaft and twist it off and I got it off and I got that apart out all of there, out of there and it wasn't the same. And I remember then loading up, ma'am I'll be back. I drove to our second store, went into the parts department, found the parts, what I thought were right, went back, put the pool sweep together. That was the start of my service career. I did that and it was almost like it was a test for me. It was almost, I, I won't give him enough credit to do it because I, I can't see that he would have had the foresight to do it, but it was almost a test to see was I going to be good enough. And Ernie very rapidly after that, he, he took me off of the construction and the, and the pool opening crew and he put me onto the service crew. And he had a nephew, uh, we, we called him Hub at the time, his nephew was his main service guy. He had a couple guys and he rotated me between the two of those but but Hav was the main guy that I just then watched. I became his gopher and I ran for parts. Day in and day out, day in and day out, 70, 80 hours a week. We just ran because when it gets busy, you don't have the luxury of working 40 hours. You just worked. And I was a college kid that needed to make money. And that was the beginning of my career. And I just worked crazy amounts of hours and sucked up everything. Hob was the guy that, that would just, he was really efficient at what he did, and I watched how he did stuff. I watched how he cut things apart. I watched how he, 
his thought process. He didn't tell me. I watched. And I saw how he took pipes apart and how he cleaned them and how he glued them and how he all of that. No one ever told me, but I watched it happen. And once I could see it happen, I could understand it. And understand the importance of cleaning pipe and, and, and gluing it together and holding it and twisting it a quarter turn. And all of that was learned purely out of experience. And then it was that, that physics mind of mine that had me go a little deeper personally into the hydraulics and start to read and understand pumps and stuff. So that was kind of the early days. So I learned that. Number of years into it, I'd graduated from college at this point. I stayed with them, started my master, stayed with them, and ultimately got the opportunity to buy the company. And I was I was raw. I, I had I had no money. I had no idea how I was going to do it, but I had this huge dream. And and I believed that if I could throw enough mud against the wall long enough, some of it would stick, and eventually I could do it. And I somehow, out of pure belief that I could bought the company and bought everything that went with it with, with no idea how it was to happen and no idea how it would get money and I didn't know how to go to the bank to get money but somehow I was able to squeeze enough money out of everything I, I could do to buy the company. So this is a pretty condensed version of our histories in the pool industry. If we miss something I know we'll have the I'll opportunity to go time. back and yeah. fill it in for sure. So it's live. doesn't matter. Say what, what's on your mind. Yeah. What year was it actually that I joined the pool company? It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I can ago. tell you your kids were about like this big and this big. Yeah. They were pretty tiny. So when my kids were about probably five years old and four, seven years four old. Four and six or four something. Four and six, mm -hmm. which is how I would kind of bookmark that time. I had been working at a real estate office. I had, my business career was, um, having a couple of children, beautiful children, relatively early, so I, I entered the workforce a little bit later because I had stayed home with them. I had worked as a bank teller, I had worked as a home health aide, and then when we had moved to a new area, I had applied for some jobs, and a real estate company hired me to be front desk office staff. And I don't know what they would have seen in me to do that because up until that point, I had really no experience in running the front desk of a business. So I was hired and apparently well-spoken enough, can you answer the telephone? Sure. Um, did I even have any computer skills at that time? I think I had played with a computer from time to time. I don't even know if we had one at home at that point. So my job was data entry on the computer, answering telephone calls, getting things where they need to go, and keeping probably about 30 or 35 real estate agents happy. So. I started doing that and the company was um, bought out by another company so I went to work for the larger organization and then um, more things had happened and I switched companies once more. So in the, the third real estate company that I worked for, I was really given an office manager position which again my training was all self-taught because I had gotten thrown into this situation and I do pick things up fairly quickly. So I was able to perform and do well. So while at that company, it was a new, it was an established company in the Toledo market, but it was a new company in the area where our office was. So we had to do a lot of grassroots uh, knocking on the doors. We were trying to recruit agents. We were trying to get customers. And there was me and one other person kind of more in charge of the operations of the office, yet I was in charge of all of the front end type of things. So that's really where I started playing with marketing. And I remember some of my very early marketing projects included 
putting postcards together, figuring out how to help the agents get more real estate clients, and then also putting together things to recruit agents. I didn't understand a whole lot about how the internet worked in general, and somehow had pieced my way together to put email marketing campaigns together. And this was before there was constant content or constant contact or MailChimp. This, my version of it, was building a couple of landing pages that we could email a link to a real estate agent and they could click on the link and they could come to this landing page and they could see everything that we offered. And I made four different versions of an email marketing campaign and we sent them out and we had some people actually contact us and sign up as a result of that. And I couldn't tell you how I built them or how I figured it out because still it's a little bit muddy in my mind how that all came together. But that was my, I guess, beginning desire to figure things out and make things happen. So that, um, so the real estate company, we had actually started to make some really good traction right about the same time the company had decided we're not really sure if this is working. You know, the business world was changing a little bit and they ultimately decided to merge our location with another. So I had a decision to make. I could either stay there or I could look for something new. Well, that was about the time that I had learned that you were looking to take the pool company a different direction and there was some potential to um, join the company and maybe split it apart into two different divisions. So that had been interesting at the time, which is how I joined the pool company. So going to work in a pool office, all I remember is starting a few of the early days training with Karen. And um, in training with Karen, hearing stories about people walking in with these random parts and having to figure out where they went and what they did, and I had absolutely zero pool lingo at that point. So it was again like jumping into something I didn't know a lot about but was confident I could pick up. Well, and at that time we weren't there was no system. There was no systemized way of keeping track of parts and keeping track of anything. We're very old school. I, I know that as you were talking and talking about building landing pages and things, I remember those very early days you saying, well, why isn't you, why don't you have a website? And I, my excuse was, well, I had somebody that worked for us started a, lands, uh, a website company and he kind of built a website and then they kind of went out of business and I kind of had this thing who I had a friend that was going to try to re continue building it, and he modified it, and it was really nothing. And you had talked about the importance of, but we need to have that website. That's where the traffic will come from. That's where our business will come from. And because I was very old school, we didn't have systems in place for parts. Like you're where you see all these parts, and you go, well, what do I do with them? Well, we, didn't, we weren't systemized in anything. So parts was one part of it, but the internet was a whole nother thing. And I remember the story, the, the interaction between you and I that you had said, if you buy me a computer, we had computers in the office. We were fairly state-of-the-art in terms of what was available. We owned the very first digital camera that was even available to consumers. We paid a lot of money for it so we could take pictures of people's yards and, and build on computer a backyard for them and show them what it looked like. But we, we were sophisticated in that way, but we weren't really sophisticated in, in business at all. And you had said that if you buy me a computer that I can actually do this work on, I'll build a website. And the net result will be, we'll have a great web presence. And to me, I, you probably remember me poo-pooing it like, yeah, okay, well, all my business comes from the yellow pages. And, 
you know, and I was paying thousands of dollars a month. We had three major yellow page, the, the way the Metro Detroit market was, there were three major uh, yellow, yellow page books split up and we were like smack in the middle so we couldn't advertise in one of them. To make sense of what we were doing, we had to ad advertise in all three of them, so it was thousands of dollars a month. And I remember you saying, you build me a website, we can get rid of that, and I would never have imagined it. And yet, somehow, well, I remember what you did. I remember you being, maybe not thinking it was the answer to everything, but you didn't seem super opposed to it. I don't know the dialogue that was going on in your head, but I do know that we did get a computer that was capable of doing this, and I did buy... I think at the time, three or four books that said how to build a website, and I think the first um, I had researched somehow and figured out I could probably do something like this in front page. I may have talked to my brother, who was a little bit of a computer nerd at the time, to get a little bit of help, and we pieced together the very first version of our website, which was then ready to go, and this was before I knew anything about marketing a website or SEO, I think or what marketing we... marketing in general. Or marketing anything. Right. So we, we knew that we had to get the landing pages together so people could come to our site and see stuff. And then what could they see? They could see pictures of our finished pool and maybe read a little bit about us. And I think the early marketing was simply just putting the website on print advertising that we did then, which is what started to drive some traffic for us. I know that I, I wasn't opposed to web presence because I had had two iterations before that of wanting to have it built. I had one guy, the, the guy that worked for me that started an internet company and, and he kind of built it and then they sort of faded. And I had my friend who said, hey, I'll get it finished. And I remember him playing with some of the graphics in the background. So I, I knew enough of it and I knew that it was important but I didn't know how significant it was. And I think your you saying, look, get me this computer, I'll figure out how to build a website. That was That's still vague in my mind, like, yeah, okay, the Internet's here to stay, maybe, sort of, kind of. I kind of knew the power of it, but kind of didn't. But I think once I witnessed it by going out to homeowners or talking to people that said, I love your website, I love the pictures, it gives me an idea of what can be possible in my backyard was when I really recognized that this old dog, this old concrete guy, had to embrace the internet. And that really is the direct result of you figuring out just, what, 10, 11 years ago? I mean, we're not talking ancient history, but it's changed that much since then. Front page probably hasn't been heard of for seven or eight years or nine years, but at that time was probably the way to build a website. And you by social proof, by proof of people asking me and saying, man, I love your website, I love your pictures, and me not still not knowing what that meant. But I understood, well, that must mean that something's happening, that traffic's happening. And you being diligent and staying with it, and probably in short order, within a year or two years of time, we had no more Yellow Page ads because the proof was there. But that was a direct result of you seeing it, not me. I just at some point believed in what you were saying. 
I remember when we had the website up and running and it was working and the decision was made that you could probably stop doing the yellow page advertising. The the girl in charge of that was not very happy. And with I me. was probably not real happy either. I was probably having heart palpitations. I imagine holding on to my chest going, <gasps> "Are you sure?" <coughs> because that was our that was our lifeline as I saw it at that point. So up until that point, I had been completely in the office um, at the pool company, and then somehow a discussion came up, and you and I had talked about me being able to make a little bit more money. At this point, I was a single mom, and working in the office is great, but I wanted to be able to do more. And we had talked about um, getting me out to do some pool openings. And I remember the very first pool opening that I ever went on to learn how they worked was actually at our attorney's Gunite pool. I remember scooping leaves and scooping leaves and scooping more leaves, and I probably was thinking in my head, this is what you know, torture must be like because I was not having fun and then I, by that time I probably didn't have any of the right gear on. I was completely soaking wet, um, let alone being the only girl that was out there with a bunch of, you know, strong dudes and yeah. here I am trying to learn this. So, I don't know, what really prompted us to think it was a good idea for me to do pool openings, I worked with some people doing some pool openings. Um, I know I worked with some guys and then my 52 year old girl who was a friend, my 50 year old friend who was also a girl, but a much Let's older make sure we girl. Clarify that again. But, but a much older girl um, and I became the all girl pool opening and closing crew for the company, which was also really interesting because while I could piece things together on a computer, I would not identify myself as very mechanically inclined. I like to put a key in the ignition, I like the car to turn on, I like to flip a switch, and I like it to work. So I know that I was able to muddle my way through it. Thank goodness we were in the era of cell phones and you got a lot of calls from me about not knowing how to do things and heaters were my nemesis. You know, if they didn't fire on the first try, it was just in my mind, kind of disastrous, but had a couple of successful seasons of openings and closings, encountering some customers who weren't all together sure about this whole girls, girls um, doing working, work girls type of girls working doing boys in the pool work. industry. Mm -hmm. um, so we got through that, and then I uh, probably be graduated back into the office. Before you, we get off of that though. Kind of an interesting note for me, being that it has been a very male-dominated industry, which is fun about our current, as as we go on, we'll talk about our current iteration is very much female oriented and our construction crew is dominantly girls, which is really awesome. The thing that you brought to the construction crew, or I mean the service crew, is these little innovations that were so obvious that we couldn't see them. And one of the one of the key things that just sticks out in my mind, like, wow, was we always we had a trash pump that had little rubber gaskets that would go on the three-inch insert and three-inch out, three outlet. And we would lose those incessantly. And we'd have them hanging on the pump. On There's, there's a couple nuts that hold the whole pump uh, aluminum quarter on. We'd put them on there, and we'd lose them all the time. And something as simple as you going, well, you took a bungee cord, 
wrapped around the top of the cross of the caging and hung those gaskets on there. So there's three or four gaskets on a gasket on this bungee cord. And they couldn't fall off because they were strapped on with a bungee cord. And how many years had I and every guy that had been involved with the company as, as the owner, but prior to that as an employee, we had lost hundreds if not thousands of those and gotten to a job going, where is that fribbing, flicking thing, that gasket, where is it? That flipping gasket. And your simple thing was take a bungee cord, wrap it on there, boom, it's on there. You pull the bungee cord off, pull it off, put the bungee cord back on. And here's a bunch of gaskets that never left the pump. That was a key point for me to understand that a woman thinks different than a man. Because every man that had done the job up to that point had done the exact same thing, and we lost them all day long. You, you immediately saw this need. No one talked about it. No one. It's not like I said, oh, what should we do with gaskets? That was just something that I recognized you had done to the pump. And I, I knew you, you conditioned me then to realize that men don't have the answers or all of the answers that women have an awful lot and that we should listen to them. And it probably is, was a really good thing for me to shift. I'm a mama's boy. I was a mama's boy, so I love women, and I understand women, and I and I absolutely adore everything about women and that, and yet in the same token, I grew up in a man's world doing a man's job, not thinking that a woman could do it, and you proved to me with just all of these simple little tricks and things that are just so obvious now that were like revolutionary to me. I don't know how astounded... How, if you knew how astounded I was at how amazing these little things were, I don't think but it I was knew just, that. It was just a matter was of you. Calling for heater help, but it was just a matter was. because those are things you didn't know, but you made the process so easy. And that's one that the pump gasket thing is is probably one of a hundred little simple things that you did. That it, it's that feminine energy, that that extra little touch. Let's figure out a quicker, easier yeah, way to do this. Uh, uh, why be frustrated if we don't have to? Men just make that decision. They're just going to push through. And you would always figure out an end around to go, why push through if we can walk around? The other thing that I remember doing, because every time we got to an opening or a closing, we had to know which one was the skimmer and which was the main drain to make sure it got winterized properly and then to make sure it got open properly. So I started putting a zip tie around the pipe that was for the skimmer so, so that so if I had the, been there before, the I would know that I had already identified it and I didn't have to go through that learning curve again. So and that's one of those, that duh, that makes sense because, you know, we were trying to mark them with, with a marker that would fade out in six months and it was gone and a simple zip tie doesn't fall off, doesn't go away and the following year I could go to a pool and know which the skimmer was because Sandy had been there. So back to the conversation about innovation and all of these cool tips and tricks that I started implementing, which is a natural thing. I'm always looking for the most efficient way to do something. And I know we were talking, I probably at the time didn't understand how special you thought some of these innovations were because I felt so bad having to call for heater advice so often or you know, the customers that were expecting men to show up and do their pool closing who couldn't believe that a couple women of women were going to do this and even have the skill. I know that very first um, pool opening that I was on was for um, a longtime customer who also happens to be an attorney. And I know well after that first time, I was in charge of opening and closing his pool for a number of years, and he would still call you second-guessing what I was doing sometimes because he just didn't think I 
had it. It, it didn't. It didn't fit in the paradigm. You're more than qualified for it, but it didn't fit in the par paradigm that men are supposed to do this, that women don't do that stuff. For many years, I had that challenge, because it's just this tape in my head that men are supposed to do that. And yet, look at all of the years of what we've done with all of the cool chicks that we've had work with us and do crazy cool stuff. There's still that sense of a tape, but it's a man's job. And yet, I look at the result of amazing women's work, and, and there's no question about it. So I imagine this guy who, this in a moment, has this experience that a woman's doing this service job. It must have freaked him out a little bit, because you're right. You're more than qualified, but there's this sense, there's this general sense of what a man does versus what a woman does. That still exists today, maybe more so then than now. But even now, even in now, general, yeah. I would say we are the exception to the rule by being more than half women in the field versus men in the field doing construction work and service work. We're probably the exception to the norm, and it still feels a little bit odd. It still feels a little bit different. So jumping back into that story, you had a pool company, I come along, started innovating. Totally wreck, wreck what I knew it to be, which is perfect, which is perfect because I was doing... What the, all that I knew. Remember me mentioning that when I when I took the company over, I had to come up with money to to pay the previous owner, but I was buying him out on his money. So he was believing in me enough that I had enough in me to work hard enough to be able to pay him over the over like a five year period, and yet I had to come up with this chunk of money where I had nothing. I didn't, I didn't have enough to rub two nickels together, and yet I had X number of months to figure out how to create the money, and my mentality was I'm not asking anyone for anything. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it because of me. So, And, and the net result was we went to closing, and I had the money and paid him somehow. I don't, don't even know or care to figure that one out. But I was busy throwing stuff against the wall, and I'd gotten so used to throwing stuff against the wall in hopes that it would stick then I never really thought about what would make it stick. How could we put glue in the stuff I was throwing against the wall? Then you came along, and you were the gluey part. You were the ooey, gooey, sticky part that when I threw something, it stuck and made sense. I didn't have that skill. I had a good arm, and I could throw, and I could throw, and I could throw, and I could have been throwing dust that fell off the wall, or mud sometimes, but you were that... that ability to take dusty stuff and to make it sticky and muddy stuff to make it dry enough that it would stick and we were able to stick it against the wall so when you came along I, I didn't have the skill set and it was it was a blessing that you came when you came because it, it, it started to make sense and it's not like it went perfectly we know we went up and down and, and things from there on but you were the glue that helped it make it sticky and that's what's made our company very stucky in the industry, which means our marketing, which means our social consciousness, which we'll talk about in the future. Well, I think several years after I had joined the company, and I'm thinking it was about three or four years, I think I had decided that I probably didn't want to be a pool girl for the rest of my life. Right. Um, I don't know that I wanted to work in the retail store, which you had at that point, and I didn't see pool girl openings and closings and doing pool service as something that I would want to do long term. So I know at that point you and I had discussed um, selling your building and getting out of the retail business 
because you had wanted anyway to start going into some more creative and custom building. So I know that was another transition point where I didn't really think I fit long term in that aspect of things, decided to close the retail store, you subsequently sold the building, and we're still building, but that was also right around the time where you things approached the burnout from the pool industry, so I guess now is a good time to get into that. I think for me, that whole period of time, in wanting to sell the retail store and wanting to sell the service business and wanting to sell everything, was a really good indicator. That was sort of the match waiting to hit the hit the wick of, I was just burned out, I was just done. And the service company made money, the retail store made money, the construction company made money, and here's me wanting to sell them all out. Because I was going to retire? No. But because I was burned out, because I was done. And that, that's very much where things had to change, and that, that's, that's sort of the nucleus, that whole build up that nuclear thing that was happening that created the, the fusion uh, that, that created the business that is now with all of that pressure of just feeling overwhelmed, feeling like I just, I banged my head against the wall for so long, built so many swimming pools, built tons and tons of stuff without this sense of accomplishment or really the finances to back that up. And I didn't have any of the skill set to really understand profit loss statements to really understand. I was, again, throwing mud against the wall. And I was a trainer arc waiting to happen and I was hoping it would never happen. And when we started pulling those things together and analyzing why we did things and how we could do things different, that it started to make sense. And that's when I found a way for me to learn to love what I did it again because it took away all that pressure of just doing and doing and doing and 100 hours a week for the moment felt really good, but then there was no work for three months of the year, and I felt broke again, and then having to start over, and it's, it was that cyclic thing that just had burned me out. So at that time, kind of when you were approaching the burnout, you sold the retail business, sold the location that you had been operating out of, decided to scale back a little bit and maybe give yourself a little bit of breathing room, still doing some service and still doing some pool building. And at that same time, you and I decided maybe there would be another path for long-term success. And that's when we had gotten together to start the Insights Group, which was an entrepreneur incubator, and it turned into a marketing uh, and social media training mm -hmm. company as well. well. I think that was our education. If you remember that when I was just done and I wanted to try to sell it off and, and I was trying to get rid of pieces, we had that whole segment of our service business basically taken out from under my, my nose because I I had a guy that was doing all of this work for me and I was paying him kind of as a subcontractor and unbeknownst to me because I wasn't paying attention because I just didn't feel like I was overwhelmed that he was slowly taking those customers and out walk a hundred pool customers that were a big part of pool openings, pool closings, that normal revenue was just gone. and he walked away with them and and that was kind of a wake-up call that really do I want to do this and that was probably a breaking point that no I really don't want to do this until the insights group which was which turned out to be it started out as an incubator and it really turned out to be this our this, incubator it, it was it was our incubator yeah it was designed to help other businesses work their way through all of the things that we had been struggling with because we 
I know we've had that discussion many times back in those days that that we felt like this beacon floating in the ocean all by itself with nowhere to go and no one to ask for help, much like most business owners kind of feel like they're they're isolated. And really they're not. There's other businesses around that can help, but aren't necessarily in their industry. But all businesses face the same sets of challenges. You just have to change the titles and change the materials a little bit, but it's all the same. And for for us, I know that's what Insights became. It was about helping other businesses navigate that, which in turn was the education we needed to help ourselves. And that's kind so of that. Probably several years into the Insights group, and maybe maybe a couple years into it, um, we had a group of successful business owners from around the country fly in to do some work with one of our members. And while this group was in, we were invited in to do a talk about social media and marketing and its importance for company CEOs. This would have been, you know, 2009 or so yeah. when social media was becoming a buzzword. Some people were adopting it, some weren't, and CEOs were really Same reluctant way. to join because they didn't want to feel that vulnerable online. And in that meeting, you tell it really well. There was, you tell it really well. Why don't you tell well, it? I remember I was sitting, that we were all sitting around a conference table, and Sandy and I were having this sort of, instead of it being a, a purely a presentation of us standing in front of these CEOs, it was a little more informal that we were around this around this uh, conference table, and, and Sandy and I were sort of openly discussing this as the importance as to why they should do it. And I was sitting next to a guy that owns a, uh, it's a well-known franchised uh, pizza delivery system in the south. And, and he and I had chatted back and forth. We knew each other just a little bit, and we got into this discussion, and and he was sitting there, and a guy across the table that knew us had said, because we were talking about the importance, had said out loud, and he just sort of like burst out. And, and I think he probably even used cuss words at the time was, if you're so flipping good with this social media stuff, why don't you use it for your pool company? Because he did know that we also had this pool company that had burned me out. That I was just, I felt done. I was just wiped out. We were, we were just taking work because we were supposed to take work. We didn't have any idea. The, the business model was take what showed up in front of you, and when you marketed, you got work, and you just took it instead of what we do today is are very selective in terms of what we do because we've learned to love that thing. And he had said, well, why don't you do it for your pool company? And I remember looking over at this guy saying, saying you know, I'm just burned out. The pool business is just killing me. I'm just done. I just don't know that I can. That's why I don't. And so we went on with the meeting, and I think it was probably several months. It was a few months later, at least. It, it was sort of the seed. If that seed could percolate for a while, it, it got into my subconscious, and I worked it, and I, and I mulled it over, and I, and I can very distinctly remember the conversation in my, in my head over and over and over, wanting to share it with you, but not sure that I was ready to, that what if. And then it was several months later that I finally came to you and, and started the dialogue, what about this idea, what if we did things different? And it, and it wasn't exactly what we are today. It was sort of the ask the fool, pool, ask the fool, yeah, that's what it was at the time, ask the pool guy idea, and I think that was even the name that we, we discussed, but it wasn't to what it has become today, but it was sort of that 
that brand new, what if we could redevelop ourselves, redevelop the company and the brand and who we are into something that really mattered, that was really significant. And it didn't matter just because it made more money or they're just going to, I mean, yeah, that's fine. But what if we could just make significant change? What if we could help our industry? What if we could help ourselves? What if we could be better? What if we could create a platform that would allow us to talk about theory and marketing? Because we now we had the insights education, which gave us this huge marketing arm of, aha, I know the pool industry. Now I understand marketing. You know marketing and you think, breathe, and understand marketing. And you've learned the pool industry. So we had these both two strong, really strong points to bring it together. And that's kind of how I see what we do now as a direct result of what if, what if we redesigned ourselves? What would that look like? So we had really, I think, worked on the legendary Escapes brand first. I think we really became clear on knowing the types of customers that we wanted to work with, the types of projects that you wanted to work on, and the service part of things got redeveloped kind of secondary time, to that because right. we knew that you really wanted to be hands-on in the building, which didn't leave a lot of time for servicing properly all of these customers. And we went through several different ideas. One was to bring on a few subcontractor crews, still people that had all been involved with the company, but really allocate the resources in a different in way. A different way. Mm -hmm. So we started with that and then decided that maybe wasn't the model that we wanted to follow and then really decided we needed just a strong in-house service company, which is where your nephew Mark really stepped in and showed that he had the ability to become uh, the pool guy, the sequel, as we refer to him this weekend. So I think that really solidified in our minds, in my mind anyway, that you know, where I hadn't wanted to be a long-term part of the pool industry, the thought of being a pool girl for my whole life was not something that made me happy at all. When we redeveloped and we decided we could really have a division, which is custom specialty, really super awesome pool building, we could have a division that's service-based, and we've got the manpower to back that up, and then we could have this online marketing arm that did the industry advocacy and put videos together and, and things like Which that. Which makes your heart that sing. That makes my heart mm -hmm. sing. So I could really identify with being that part and you could really identify with your part. Mm -hmm. So that I think is when we got really clear on what would make us happy and the core of who we are and finding team members and finding team members who could also find something in this industry that you know brought that out of them, I think that's when this whole idea started really, really coming together. So from a culture standpoint, we recognized that if we could do what we loved, and you could do, if I could do what I loved, and you could do what you loved, and we could have Mark as a primary service that he could do what he loved, then why not everybody doing a part that they love to do? We knew that Karen loved stonework, rock work, tile work, so we could fashion everything around her just doing that and and then interview each of the people that come to work here and say, what do you really like? And then trying to work them versus, okay, now you're hired, you do this thing that you don't want to do. Instead, it's, let's hire you because we love who you are and let's figure out what your strong suit is and then do that yeah. versus let's try to find exactly the right person. No, let's find a great person and find what they love and make that work. So just in this 
short intro, which is turning into a long intro that we're doing of our I'm histories in the I'm flipping business. excited about all of this. I think this podcast is really defining itself. It's going to be each of our journeys in developing a successful pool company and a lot of the tips and techniques and the things that we've done and tried to become successful, I think that's some of the stories that we'll be sharing. So the audience is really pool industry professionals and even people, entrepreneurs in other industries Absolutely. who could draw some parallels from, you know, maybe running a family-owned business or, or being involved in a business, just knowing that it's not quite hitting exactly what you'd want it to be, like, forever, you know, it's serving a need at the time. I think a lot of those stories are what we're going to find well, come up I, for us. I happen to be in the pool business because that's what I know. But the challenge that I faced with trying to identify who and what I am and what I believe in is the same thing that every pool or every pool every company owner faces. Now a lot of people don't ever really want to face it. They just want to do the thing and be miserable and, and keep doing the thing and be quote unquote successful, but they're unhappy. But for anyone who wants to kind of delve into that who they are and why they do what they do, I think just strip the world swimming pool out of it and put whatever in. I don't think it's any different. The minutiae is different. The how-tos are somewhat different. The way that you market it is different. But I think the same struggles and the same challenges with getting deep into who we are is the same. I'm and feeling, it could apply to everything. I'm feeling the word insights coming back around it, it, full it, circle. It gets, it gets back exactly to why we started that. It, and when remember when we worked at, well, what should we call this? idea business we don't even know and we went through all kinds of words and we went through I don't know ancient dictionaries of words and went through all that stuff and landed on insights group because it has insight that whole culture of what that is is really what we're talking about so it does go full circle to that but we were we were tapped into that a long time ago we just didn't understand what it meant but we knew that was something that the beauty is we acted on it instead of just putting it aside and going, well, it's a fancy that feels right, but I don't know what it means. We acted and we did something about it. And really, to me, that became the education, which became the rebirth of who I am as a person. I think it very much paralleled that for me. So thank you for tuning in and listening to our banter. Hopefully you were able to follow it, maybe glean a couple of insights, and would like to come back because I'm this feeling very excited about this, as I know Al as I am as well. is as well. So thanks for joining us, and stay tuned for the next episode.